This episode is brought to you by Patreon, specifically the Comic Pop Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash comic pop and find out more about how you can keep the lights on here at Comic Pop. And don't worry, we've got plenty of fun rewards, including early access to videos and weekly updates about what's happening here at the studio. That's patreon.com slash comic pop. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes the friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. Mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusade of the law. Welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange, everybody. I am Sal. This is Joel, and joined with us is Tiffany from Comic Pop. Uh, this is a very special episode because we're today not... A crap cat. We're not officially <laughs> talking about comics. We are instead going to talk about Avatar The Last Airbender. Specifically, fair, they did have comics. They were, they co- and we will get to them, hopefully, no. in this episode, if we don't just wind up talking about how much the tales of Bowsing say make us cry. So, oh. uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the uh, Avatar The Last Airbender animated series, seasons one, two, and three, and maybe some of the comics. We're not going to talk about Korra, because it's a whole other it's episode. A whole episode. Whole other episode. Whole nother yeah. thing. You can talk about season one Korra and then talk about the re- the tumblerization of Korra. We're not going to do that. We need today. to wait for a whole nother episode of Korra because Joel needs extra time and research to be a Korra apologist. I, I need extra time to finish the show because oh I, really? I quit it like halfway through season two. I'm like, this sucks. Click. And then I saw like all these reports from the internet of like what's happening, and I'm like, I don't care. Like I can't. No. Uh, but anyway, we'll get into there in a minute. Uh, most of the time we'll talk about comics, but every once in a while we like to kind of dabble into the animation world because Joel's our animation expert and also oh, Tiff and I watched cartoons and continue to watch them to this day. And so occasionally Good we're going to dip our toe in the animation pool. But don't worry, we'll sandwich these episodes with comics. Hardcore comics. That's here at Comic Pub. Hardcore, uncut Colombian comics That's like right. Grandma used to make. Yeah, the, the, like, like Grandma used to traffic across the border <laughs> from America oh. into Canada. Uh, oh, Grandma. I gotta visit her in lockup one of these days. <laughs> she took one for the team. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender is a show that uh, aired on Nickelodeon. It was three mm-hmm. seasons and then spun out into a new show. Several, like a, better, a couple of years later. Uh, when I like, let's talk about our introductions to the show, yeah. and then we'll talk about favorite things and stuff like that. Um, uh, my introduction to the show was Tiffany watching it and me being like, hey there, Tiffany, you watching some of your animes? <laughs> and she's like, no, this is not an anime, but it is great, and you should shut up and sit down. And I'm like, this looks stupid. And then, and it, and it did. Like, it looked stupid if you're being a cynical jackass. And I sat oh. down, and within, like, maybe 15 minutes, I'm like, I am a lifer. Like, I'm in forever. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I had a very similar experience. I did not watch this show until many years till it was actually done and over <sighs> with. And like, and like it had kind of ebbed and I had found it later. Believe it or not, I found it through the Extremely Ordinary Gentleman podcast back when that was a thing. Okay. And I'm like, well, geez, if all these friggin' adults like, and they were obviously like adult nerds anyway, but some of them had ended up watching it with their kids. Right. They had gotten like really <laughs> into it. And I'm like, well, geez, if they like it, maybe I should give it a shot. And much like you, Sal, I was being a cynical asshole for the first yeah. like six episodes. I'm like, ah, this is Saturday morning cartoon bullcrap. I mean, it's okay, but I mean, it's uh, why is everyone losing their mind over it? I can pinpoint the exact second I turned around on it. And it was it was episode seven. It was the first episode with Jet in it. And that's such a brilliant episode because that episode subverts everything that the first six episodes did and yeah. completely flips the script. And I'm like, oh, 
okay. And that's also <laughs> the episode where the stakes get real and where you find out, oh, this is an actual, real, honest-to-God war we're in where the good guys do as much bad stuff as the bad guys do. Yeah, yeah. And there, and, and there was... Uh... They were very funny. They were very clever. They did the thing that I love that old cartoon shows used to do, which was we got all these censors. We can't do this huge list of things. So let's find creative ways to do all those things and yeah. get all that stuff in. And I'm thinking specifically of like Jet dying. Yeah. Yeah. When he died, I'm like, later. yeah. Did he die? Did he go crazy and die? <laughs> I don't know. It was left very unclear. Yeah. I'm like, no, that was not unclear. He died. <laughs> he ate it. Yeah. That still made me laugh a lot. For me, the very first time I really got into the show was when it actually aired. And mm. I had missed the first season. I missed the first book. And I came in at the day of Black Sun. Oh, big And episode. I was like, what is this? And where can I get more of it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, I mean, not maybe the best introduction to the show because, it, you know, at that point so many things have changed. But, right. like, it was amazing being able to go back and see them up to this point and then mm -hmm. having to, you know, wait. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, it's... ah! Yeah. But, like, I heard about it. You saw, like, commercials for it all over the place. And, like, I, I don't know. Like, I just, I missed it. I, I wasn't, like, I, I just wouldn't catch it. And I saw that and I was like, that's it. This is it. This is this is me now. Yeah, I'm watching the show. It's it's crazy to think that this was a show that came from Nickelodeon because you don't really think you know mature, well written, series based, character based stuff from no. Nickelodeon. You th you think comedy. You think Rugrats and Hey Arnold. And yeah. All those other well, and occasionally those shows would go there. More serious shows like you know you did have Alex Mack and they and they, they did like Are You Afraid of the Dark? You know they, mm. Nickelodeon. Maybe they weren't the people directly behind those and they weren't the ones writing them, but they were willing to put shows like that on their channel. On their network, so, yeah. You know. So, like, for them to make this leap, certainly in their animation, was a big deal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, I think they were, like, looking for the next thing. Yeah. And let's be honest, anime is huge. And it yeah. has huge. And for them to take this opportunity to be like, okay, let's do a completely Americanized version of an anime. Yeah. So. Another thing that kept me away right off the bat where I'm like, I don't know, Americans trying to do their own take on anime. This is this ain't right. But then you actually <laughs> sit down and watch and you're like, oh, wow, they actually not only do they respect the anime tradition, but they respect all Eastern culture. So you got yeah. a lot of Buddhism in there, Taoism oh, yeah. yep. in there. There's a bunch of stuff on yoga and like acupuncture later on. And I'm like, yeah, wow, these guys did this. stuff like that. Yeah. Like, and like the actual like formations they use when they're bending is like real kung fu formations and i'm like wow these guys did their homework yeah I gotta be honest for a while i i legitimately i took a tai chi class and i was there and like and then i went back and i watched like you know especially book one with the waterbenders i was like oh this is tai chi yeah but when do i learn to make ice and throw it at my <laughs> yeah exactly uh when can i freeze their blood and then smash them against the rocks or when uh, can i turn them into puppets with blood oh my god now by the time bloodbending came into play we're like we know that this place can get dark and we had like the stakes are already let the first six episodes of the show of the first season of, of avatar the last airbender book one water uh is set up very similarly to a, a, what you'd say is a traditional cartoon show or a traditional yeah. animated show or series uh you could tell that it was story driven you could tell that each episode kind of led into the other one 
mm-hmm. they weren't all self-contained their own continuities they you know they might have all worn the same clothes all the time but right. you know they they washed them yeah. <laughs> and uh but but you could tell that at least with the first couple episodes they were kind of i don't know if it, i want to say they were playing it safe but that you you could ex- it, 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 it didn't trick you, or it tricked you rather into thinking like, okay, I'm watching this show. And then they just raised the stakes. It's like boiling, mm-hmm. it's like killing a frog in hot water. They just raised, it was a slow it was burn. A slow burn. They just raised the temperature a little bit more yeah. until by the time things happened where the shit hit the fan, you might you might have been shocked because you were watching a show that you seemingly assumed was for children, but it was also an, an organic moment that you were like, well, naturally this would happen. And even in the back of your mind, especially if you're a big fan of cartoons, you thought to yourself, this is what should happen, but there's no way they're going to do that. Yeah. Right. And then they I mean, do. And you're like... Yeah, you know what's funny, though, is... If and I didn't watch it from like obviously I didn't watch it like you know like start like episode one you know what I mean <laughs> like I had to catch up and, and figure things out but like if you go back and look at that episode list and you take a look at the third episode where they go to the Southern Air Temple yeah. like that is where for me I was like this oh is a shit third yeah when he finds all the skeletons <laughs> yeah and he's like yeah. oh here's my friend. And yeah. family who have been dead for yeah. hundreds of years. Yep. Exactly. Like that's the moment where I was like, this show, this show, man. Yeah. Like, Not only am it... I alone in this world, but I am a hundred years removed from anyone and everything well, I ever. And knew. then not only that, but you also add on the guilt, the guilt yeah. of abandoning his responsibility, which that of course you did this. as a Spider-Man fan, I'm all about. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> let's let's talk a little bit about the seasons, and then we'll talk about which one was our favorite because I know everybody's got their own favorite season. Oh but the the thing I want to always point out is uh, season like seasons one, two, and three perfectly set up. Thank God they didn't do an air season until after it was already changed. Yeah. But yeah. like perfectly set up in a three act structure. And with the first season, it is very straightforward. It's very much like a kid's cartoon, even though it has yep. dark elements. It's good versus evil. You can tell who the bad guys are. Mm-hmm. You may have had a couple of shades of gray. Specifically, you, you only have really room for Zuko to be nebulous, or maybe he's more of a sympathetic villain in the beginning. You're like, mm-hmm. he's the bad guy, but I do feel a little bad for him. That's well, it. It's, it's, it's funny. They treat him and Iroh in the first couple episodes almost like a Team Rocket, where it's like, I'm a <laughs> Exactly. You know what's funny? I never, from the get-go, bought Iroh as a villain. Mm. No, like, I, I never saw him was on the wrong side, but I never like yeah. in my head. He never fully bought into. No, it. it's true. I always felt like Iroh was going to turn at some point or another in in for in in the name of good. Yeah. But uh, the first season itself is good versus evil. You can tell who the bad guys are. I'm thinking of uh, is it Admiral Zhao? Uh, yeah, yeah. J- Jason Isaac's character. Yeah, yeah freaking Lucius Malfoy. Yeah, he's just yeah. clearly the bad guy. He, yeah. he he twirls his mustache, he cackles when he achieves bad things, and he literally blots out the sun through selfish bullshit. Like, yeah. and, to, and to bring it back, too, to that Zuko thing in the episode Jet, it's funny, after episodes of getting, you know, his ass royally handed to him, he not only wins a fight, but you find out in that episode, oh, you know, Zuko might be bad, but these other guys are way worse than yeah. Yeah. I actually don't like him. No, it's yeah. true. That's now, that's see, sweet. I gotta say, like, I know, I, I believe that you're 100% correct that, like, we do have this very much this black and white, um, you know, good and evil thing, and yet at the same time, Aang is constantly challenged with the perception of who is good and who is evil, and even mm-hmm. in the first season, yeah. because when they meet Boomy, you yeah. automatically think this guy is off his rocker. Like, I thought he, he was in season two. 
What? I thought he was in season two. Oh, no, two. They, they met King Boomy. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, when they go to the king, like, to Omashu. Yeah, that's right. Like, you're like, this guy's out of his mind, and he is not a good person. And it's like, oh, oh, never mind. Like, yeah. he's just a little nuts. You know? Right. Like, well, that's and them. So I think even then they're hinting at, like, things aren't what they seem. Right. That's the writing on the wall that says, like, don't just, don't don't judge a book by its cover. Don't assume that this is where it's coming, like, or this is going. Don't yeah, don't judge a book by its cover. And in war, <clears throat> there are many shades of gray. Yeah. And, but then we get to season two. Wait, wait. Before we even get to season two, like yeah. you can't just go to season two without talking about what happens at the end of season one to transition to season. Yes, two. because the end of season one is such a gut punch. It is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Season one changes, raises and changes the stakes to the point where now we're in this place for season two it sets up the tone for season two which is like you really don't know which end is up and who to trust and who is good and evil and that's right. kind of but that's the theme for season two that's what i was yeah. basically is that season one's ender that like two or three parter where they're like here's the war and we could tell like the, the you know the, the the water tribe is good and the fire nation is bad but we have these key players and you have uh, zuko challenged to just literally do what he believes is right and you kind of sympathizing with him a little bit like he pushes his body to the limit when he damn near freezes to death and you're like and you're like rooting for him but you know that what he's doing is evil and you're like what's what am i doing what's what's my problem here why am i rooting for the literally the central villain of the series right well the more you let's just think is the more you learn about him the more you can't help but care about him. Yeah. He's in many ways he's kind of the co-protagonist, isn't he? You know, him and Aang have this mirrored character yeah. journey throughout the three seasons. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um then uh but with season 1's cliffhanger or or rather season ender, uh you know, Aang you know, slaughters people and yes. <laughs> uh, yes. uh oh, like Sokka loses his girlfriend. Giant power Cthulhu. Which, by the way... But my girlfriend became the moon. Yeah. Duck break, bro. Duck break, bro. <laughs> yeah. That's rough, buddy. That's rough, buddy. Thank you. That was the line. That, I love that response. By the way, good on Rufio for doing an amazing voice for Zuko. Oh my god, he's we'll so get, good. We, we'll, we'll get into the voice in a minute, because we have to talk about voice actors, and we'll get that... We'll do that, like, post post show okay, like okay. the seasons uh so season two literally the the gang goes to the authority like the 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 opposition to evil and it's and it's a corrupt government and pretty much the whole damn season is them combating bureaucracy and the evils of that and, and orwellian superpower we are always watching and that Pleasantville type crap and that like you can't i i mean like you could and it'd be fine i'm sure but you can't just throw a you can't throw season two at a kid and say enjoy this cartoon show about show about like you know enjoy this cartoon show here you go it it's it's such a better boil when you go from season one to season two oh, because yeah. because for a child let's say like a kid watching it let's say they're like eight or nine and they're watching Avatar the Last Airbender if they watch season one they've been they they were they're there's a little bit of hand-holding there. There's a little, there's a little bit of, like, guiding. Like, mm. you know what you're doing. You know what you're watching. This is something familiar, and we're all used to this kind of adventure. Then we get to season two, and they have grown up a little bit, but also the show has as well. Mm. And so as such, they're, they are now prepared for the new challenges, which might be scary and new and, and uncomfortable and disquieting, but they're prepared for it organically because they went through the first adventure. The challenges like Clancy Brown, again, more oh great voice. Oh my God, Lex Luthor! The, the second he showed up, I'm like, "You're a villain, Clancy yeah. Brown." Yep. <laughs> no guys, question. That's right. <clears throat> yeah. But you know, to your point, like throughout season one, they do put in these little like 
Just like, hey, by the way. Yeah, but it's not overt. My point being, no, it's, it's not just... overt. I mean, I think the most overt would be the blue spirit. Yes. Oh, but, yeah. Like, the blue spirit was literally, like, I was like, oh, what? The blue spirit is literally just, like, Zuko's good goodness as a character. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, uh, like, oh. yeah, I, I, I can't admit it. I need a Batman style alter ego to go out and do good. Yeah. Uh, right? But at the same time, he's not doing good. Like, he's only doing good at, like, you know, for himself, essentially. On a selfish level. Just a level. little Batman. Yeah. yeah it you is think a about it. I, I love the end of that episode where freaking Sokka asks Aang, like, oh, did you make any friends? And he's just like, I don't, I don't think know. so. Yeah. And I'm like, Aang, you're too hopeful. This yeah. This guy's a jackass. Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. Um, so, okay, we get into season two, we talked about Clancy Brown, and we got all these amazing characters. Toph is introduced. Of course, I think that that's, like, that was the missing ingredient on yes. that one. It's like, okay, now this is a classic in the making right yeah. here. And she is frustrating and doesn't get along with everybody, and it's it's like what they did with TNG when they introduced Pulaski, only this actually worked. <laughs> where, you know, Team Avatar, when it began with Sokka and uh, Katara and Aang, everybody, they butt heads a little bit, but for the most part, you're kind of like, you know, these three get along. It's like one's hopeful, one's cynical, one has the child yep. like optimism and everything. But then you throw in this monkey wrench in Toph, and she is like, and she challenges everything they do, every decision they make. Just a total firebrand. Just a total firebrand. She's like, well, how about I rule, how about I lead this thing, and if you want to come, that's fine, but I, I march to my own drum. And she's also Daredevil, yeah, which is great. It's a, and she's yeah. a Daredevil. That, uh, her, her whole character is just amazing and i was trained by badger balls i now see through the very earth itself i am unto a god in earthbending yeah it's it's incredible uh, i also love just to, just a quick aside that they never gave Sokka any superpowers i know that he like, was, he was badass normal mind that we made it through the entire series of the last airbender and nothing but like, i think and we have to deal with that sword. too like what he did get a space sword. Though. He does get a space sword, and then he loses. And then he loses it. <laughs> Which, by the way, can I just say how effing disappointed I am? Because when he drops the space sword, I go when when we get to season three and the and and the meteorite sword is lost, I'm like, okay, first of all, this show is gonna be is gonna live on forever, and second of all, there's no way they're never gonna do another series. And what will be the myth? surrounding discover like will it be like an arthurian legend where they find the meteorite sword and they're like who did this belong to and like Derek does totally should have owned the space sword and that should have been part of his weird yeah, howard hughes collection but they just didn't do it space sword again is because Toph just found it yeah she they have an approximate like where it fell yeah you could feel it it felt totally different than anything else on earth it's true, true she should have been able to find it uh but uh anyway with um with, with, yeah, well, again, yeah. we're still on the subject of Sokka. What, oh, yeah. what I dug yeah. about his character, like you said, is that he he's badass normal, never gets yep. any powers. He does get a little training. You kind of see him get better and better, and I think Sokka is such a great point of view character for yes. just normal people, where it's like, if I was on this team, I'd be this guy, Yep. wouldn't I? Where it's like, you know, I, I try my hardest and everything. And the fact, too, that you see him become a better fighter by kind of also, you know, getting over a bunch of his cultural stigmas yeah. and prejudices, like that whole stuff with the Kyoshi Warriors where he's oh, like, women yeah. can't be wars, then they all royally kick his ass. And yeah. I love like, the okay. Kyoshi Warriors. They're super great. What They're a, a great... Lot of fun. And, and what a fun, like, it's a, it's an obvious... When you break everything down, and you're like, so women can be just as powerful as men, blah, blah, blah. but, like, what a really clever slash organic slash 
genuinely cool device to deliver these like parables oh. and messages and morality. Like, yeah. what a brilliant way to 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 get your message across without being hammy, without being planet fucking tears. Yeah, and I know we're gonna get to this by the time we get to the end of season two in our conversation, but much like Aang, every character on this show, including Sokka fails and they're not afraid to show us yes. that and it's because mm. of that like like not only they're not like afraid to do that they're they are not afraid to let their characters change like you said like and, like Sokka grows yeah oh Sokka real is the thing like they all have like you know real honest to goodness human faults and everything like it's easy not to like Aang sometimes just because oh, he's yeah. the hero yes. of the story doesn't mean you have to like him 100% of the time he's manipulative he's childish occasionally yep, yep. Uh, th there's the bit where he burned Katara where I was always mad at him for that where it's like <laughs> oh but no it's, it's okay though I burned her but if I didn't burn her she wouldn't have found out she had healing power so I'm technically fine <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the thing about Sokka now this is my last point about him is just we have in the show every every nation represented through a major character. And I think Sokka kind of like represents humanity. Like he's just like regular people. He, he is the Sam in this Lord of the Rings. Yes. He's just like, I'm surrounded by like practically demigods who can control the fucking weather. And mm -hmm. what can I do? And how can I measure up? And it's like, I throw you, a boomerang. Well, and it's like, dude, like you do measure up because you're a part of this world. Like, because yeah. you are like, we're all cut from the same cloth. I might be able to show shoot fire but i'm all, but but like you're a man like well, and not like yeah, a man i mean like because, a like a human but because he is a human what Sokka brings to the table is a perspective that isn't just well, i won't just rely on my powers like i have to mm -hmm. think about everything that's going on around me and that i think allows him to be the leader that he is and, and be able to, to create the plans that he inevitably does create yeah right? oh absolutely you know he's the cynical one and he's the smart one and to drag it back to that jet episode for a second what's great that they subvert about him in that episode is they're like look sometimes you should be cynical and you yeah. should ask questions because sometimes you run into you know you know uh, manipulative people a, a, yeah <laughs> manipulative Svengali liars and you know sometimes you need someone to see through the bullcrap that's right yeah. and uh, and of course everybody in the chat is talking about the fact that like Sokka is the master strategist of the team yeah yeah but like that only developed like a muscle throughout the show like yeah. he wasn't just automatically great and brilliant he yeah. had to earn that and he had to grow it and even when he was brilliant he was unsure of his decisions, which mm -hmm. makes for a brilliant leader. Like yeah. he is not a hundred percent certain that his plans are going to work. And he like is concerned about the stakes and the, the dangers that he's putting people in by his decisions. And that's I really cool. Imagine, I just imagine Sokka as Abe Lincoln there where it's like, you know, <laughs> I think of this battle of all the widows that it may create. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, all right, let's get to the end of season two where uh, just everything Amazing goes finale. to shit. And it's like, oh, it's it the perfect the empire. Strikes back. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. it's literally the Empire oh, Strikes Back. He's off training with a magic guru, and he has to make the choice between finishing his training, which may turn the tide of the war, or, or help his friends. Yeah, and and like, he does the second one. Yep. You, you know, and like the lead up to the end of that season, where they were just like, everything is not great. I mean, we, we didn't, you mentioned in the beginning of the show, the Tales of Bossing Say, where you get that amazing Iroh episode. Oh. Like that, just that little mini story, which breaks my heart every oh, time I watch leaves it. Leaves from the vine falling. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't even i can't yeah. um and it's even and then, sadder because mako the voice actor passed away not long after I yeah know. it's so like it's, yeah it's just it's just like one of the like hardest parts for that whole series for me and then and then on top of it like we get the whole episode of appa's lost days where you oh. see like 
All right. Yeah, because he's missing the whole season. Yeah, we've like watched like our like protagonists, our like these human protagonists go through something hard or, or fail or like see experience death or loss. To see an animal like Appa have to go through that, like what amazing character development, voice acting, and yeah. honestly just you know story to make us feel so horrible yeah so attached to this sky bison well it's amazing to make the batmobile into a character (laughs) because like they don't neglect the fact because it's like it's appa's the turtle van or the or the batmobile or you know the the quinjet but the fact is the battle van because it's an animal it has to have the same level of respect and attention that all the other characters get. And we're dealing with an incredibly Eastern mindset for this mm-hmm. show. So of course the animals are important. And of course the animals have... The bison is the spirit animal of the airbend. Exactly. Like, and he's the last sky bison. So like, you gotta, de- you gotta deal with this character and you got it. And if every character has an arc, then this freaking sky van has to also be... <laughs> this. Then the, the spruce moose has to also be... Like a character, and and the development of Appa is beautiful and amazing as well, and you know, and of course you throw in Momo in there. Yeah, and the friendship that those two inevitably create, because at first they're kind of like, eh, but like the two of them are so fantastic yep. together. And I'm so happy that like nobody could speak Momo, like that no yeah. one could read their minds. There was right. no like familiars or anything. They're just right. they're just well-trained animals right. and they just they live have, with you. That's made evident when, you know, in in the um, Blue Spirit when, you know, Katara and Saga are sick, get sick. And they desperately <laughs> need Momo to get water. Yep, and he just won't do it. He's just getting everything but the thing they desperately want. Did a did you know, apparently in the original planning stage, Zuko was supposed to have a pet too. He was supposed to have like oh. a falcon or something, which you actually see a couple Fire Nation falcons. Originally yeah. He was supposed to have one. That yeah, would not surprise me. And I guarantee they would have killed that falcon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he seems like a bird guy, doesn't he, that Zuko fella? He seems like one of those weird bird people. Right. So, uh, the kind of pet you can't cuddle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The kind of pet that kills smaller people's pets. <laughs> like mice. Feed, like, you know, yeah, you, you need to feed like raw mice to it. Exactly. Also, yeah, that's another thing in the show. All the animals are these weird, like, hybrid animals. Yes, okay. Genius. Brilliant and obvious and simple, but for some reason done in such a beautiful, cute way. And it's not, they don't beach over the head with it. No, they don't. No. No, they don't. Except for the one bear, to which everyone's like, bear, yeah, bear, a bear what? Just a I bear. love that. Just They're like, bear. what do you mean? What is that? Like, how weird. A platypus bear or? or no. no, just a brown bear. Like, that's weird and scary. I don't know what that's supposed to be. Which, which begs the question, at what point in this world did all animals become hybrid, and why is this one bear just a bear? Yeah, now here's a question. I oh. assumed it was that the bear was, like, either the next step in evolution or was a mutant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mutants are like, it's a dog. Like what? A, okay, what's your favorite animal? Like not including the main characters, just just peripheral oddball animals. Mm-hmm. Mine There's is a lot of good ones. mine's the turtle duck. Oh turtle my god, ducks. the baby turtle ducks! Yes. Fuck you, Azula. Okay, now <laughs> let's because we're in season two. I I was gonna say like uh, what's his name uh, Admiral Zhao and his whole bullshit from season one. He's a mustache twirling evil villain, right? Yes, he's he bad is. guy, but he also has faults, and he's like and he has hubris, and he's not very bright, and he and he like his his greed is his downfall. Azula is like the whole season of of part two is so much more complicated and oh, yeah. oh, and, yeah. and problematic and unbeatable, and, and she sticks around too, and she doesn't yeah she doesn't go away, and you're like but like that 
that new villain is so brilliantly crafted because because she's because you can't just kill her because number one she's unkillable and number two by season two you love zuko and you want this son of a bitch to just turn around (laughs) and you know that killing or murdering his sister is not going to solve the problem it's true so you know that they make her like the terminator she is like the terminator yeah they just they just can't get away from her she's like doing the gel man (laughs) yeah yeah she is unstuck and then you find out like maybe she might have had a hand in murdering her own mother yeah yeah. Which turned out not to be true Which, later. Which, you know, if you read the comics, Comic Pop, uh, you'll find out more, but, you know. But still, I mean, the fact that, like, she would even make you call that into question. The fact that she really did not, like, she really couldn't see reality for what it was. Like, her mother loved her, and she just couldn't continue. Yep, her damn near Shakespearean descent, like Lady Macbeth descent yeah. to madness by that- the end. Spectacular. And by shivering insanity. Yeah. And by season three, they also, of course, the the brilliance of DiMartino and whoever are like, are going like, it's hey, and thank you, are going like, hey, let's make Azula a little sympathetic too. Let's give that you an episode person. where she and her little cohorts all delve into like their own personal episode, a beach Indeed? episode, a beach episode yeah. where we actually realize what an anime trope. Let's send our characters to the beach for an episode. Let's put our characters into some, in, into some, some Tumblr sparking bikinis and see where it goes. But we actually make Azula a little sympathetic. You're like this, like this is what happens when like a megalomaniacal vi- villain tries to fuck can relax for a few minutes and they just yeah. can't and it's amazing yeah I, I can't switch off man i can never switch <laughs> off even when i'm playing volleyball i just can't switch and off. even then like you feel bad because like you could tell that she's just her she is insane and her her brain is just a little is wired a little wrong and be, yeah. because her her interpretation of events is so skewed that she, you know like her mother loved her and she just refuses to admit that because she's like no one could because i'm a monster and you're like that's fucked up <laughs> talk about talk about an important haircut too i mean this show puts so much emphasis on hair and yet it means very japanese so much. Like, like like think of it hang has no hair sometimes he has long hair you know she has a very important haircut yep yes Yes. Yeah, Katara with her hair loopies, which man, that's got to be a cosplay nightmare to try and do that. I get, I assume those are fake. Went with uh, <laughs> not hers. I mean, hers are obviously real because it's because it's a cartoon. But like, yes. cosplayers, no, 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 no. I'm just gonna no. These are just weaves. But yeah. Um. All right. So then we get. Uh, how do uh, I guess we'll end season two, uh, the with the big assault, the day of Black Sun. So cool. And how you're like, okay, I guess they're ending the show now. Because we've we've done this is again a show that doesn't dare to take a trope and then turn it on its ear, mm-hmm. where they're like, mm-hmm. okay, all the all the protagonists wait, are. Wait, I thought I thought the day of Black Sun came in book three. Oh, maybe it did. No, no, no. The, the end of book two is like is the, the assault. Their Empire Strikes Back moment. Yeah, it's, where it's they Empire all strikes back. He comes back. You know, they're all in the crystal cave yes. and everything, and yeah. he gets hurt. It's, a, so we it's can't after do the thing they anymore. get rid of Lake Lauga. That's it. And uh, so they like you got the protagonist underground. So it's you got everybody paired off. The main characters all fighting, and you've literally brought back all the peripheral characters that you've made and met in the last two seasons. It's even the soggy swamp guys. Pants are an illusion. Yeah, throw them at your problem and then they fail 
Yeah. Wait, are we, we, we still talking about the day of Black Sun or are we talking about under... Just the, oh, the end of the show. Like, or the end of, the, of season two where... The end of season two, I think, is when they're underground and Azula shows up and Zuko yeah. is there and she yeah, that's the one makes him... She's like, yeah. she's like, no, you should... No, you gotta come oh, with that's me. Even right. though Even though uh, Zuko and Katara have been stuck together and, like, she was kind of swaying him and, yeah. like, you know... She, she was, she was really... gonna use her magical healing water to fix his face. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and then he completely betrays everyone and that's... That's when Azula lightning bends into Aang while he's in the Avatar state. And kills him. Breaking the line of Avatar. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the big join me on the dark side yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Which, you, you, you say, again, this is a show that's loaded with Star Wars. And I'm not just saying that because the villains shoot lightning. But the villains shoot lightning. <laughs> but they do. Right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Then we end on that season where, like, Aang is not dead. We assume. I think they, I don't even think they let us think he's dead. When they ended, up. I think she like uses jacked up something. Horrible. Yeah, but they and she uses yeah. the healing on her. Uh, there was a yeah, and she she heals him, but like. But he has no power. Right, and when he wakes up, he he's been so like not with us that he now has hair. Yes, yeah. So like, he's we been know out that for that long. Significant time has passed, and a lot has like what a great device too, because that means they progress the story a little bit more. And I thought that was so brilliant. Like, good for you guys. Like, yeah. How do you make the story progress without getting Aang involved and him helping to make decisions that don't always turn out for the best? Well, and all right, so we we do we do this thing where where um, we've been building up Zuko's character from season one and season, mm. into season two, and we're even getting to the point where maybe he'll actually become a good guy, and then of course he go he falls to the dark side, and we and and as a viewer of the show, I'm like, okay. Where are we gonna freaking go from here? And, and we do the best thing. We actually get to hang out with him and his family. He's like, I thought this would make me happy. And we see, we see how unfulfilling yeah. being a bad guy really. Because, because at the beginning, Zuko was the bad guy, but only because he wouldn't leave our main characters alone. He didn't kill right. anybody. And, and only, and only because he wanted to go home. That yeah. was his big. I want to go home. Yeah, he's like, I don't care about you guys. I only care about you because, because an authoritative figure is attached like a goal to you as my dad kicked me out of the house and brutally scarred my face and say i can't come back until i essentially get the holy grail yeah basically my dad threw me threw me out and said you can never come home but he left a loophole that i will not refuse to exploit i will do that to to, com to complete this let's face at the time impossible task because the avatar had been missing for like a hundred years so he gave yep. him an impossible task to complete yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. So and let's not forget the fact that at the end of that season two, Iroh is arrested. Okay. Yeah. We and lose like, Iroh. The uncle he loves and who is always by his side is now yeah. in jail. He completely betrays everyone. Our team avatar, who he was clearly like struggling with what's good, what's not. He betrays the uncle who has been on this journey with him since he was exiled. Yeah. Like, like for me at that moment, I was like, really? Yeah. Come on. Well, that's that's what's so great about it is you're like. We were you we were doing all this all this building, man, and it's but it's brilliant by the writers because they're like, no, he he doesn't know the difference. Yeah. He needs to see how unfulfilling that decision is. Yep. Mm. And then he does it, and and go, and follows it through its logical closure point. And you're like, wow, this is this is a deep show. Yeah. I, uh, can, in this season two, he hires that uh, bounty hunter, uh, Sparky Sparky Boom Man, who we and, never yeah. get any origin. Love on. that. Damn, is he a cool design. He's basically yeah, he's basically Boba Fett. 
Yeah. Where he's like, he's cool, I guess, and he's kind of a badass, and and there's no background for him whatsoever. Right. Um, can I, we can also just say with uh with the end of season two, and there's something I wanted to bring up, and I don't remember what it was anymore. Ah well, um, I'm sure it'll come to me. But well, yeah, was it Zuko working in a tea shop? That was fun. That was really fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. Zuko going on a date. Oh, oh yeah, we, we never talked about Tales of Bossing Say, which is such an important episode from two. Mm. Oh, that's what it was. Um, when I introduced this show to a friend of mine, I think I borrowed somebody's DVDs and I had seasons one, two, and three. And I was like, I had visited, it was, I was visiting my old college roommate and we were watching some shows and I was like, oh, you should watch Avatar. Back before the Blue Cats, and you could call it that, no one was like, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. And uh, they were like, and he was like, all right, I'll watch this silly children's show for you. And we watched the first like couple of episodes of season one, and uh, it was my last day being there. You know, I was like going to get in the car and drive home either like that night or the next morning. So usually that's where like we eat something and then just go to bed. But like in this case, I'm like, oh, I'll just watch a couple episodes of Avatar. We got all the way through to season two. Oh, nice. <laughs> like, and I, when I say that, I mean like, oh, I'll just watch a couple episodes. Eh. And then he was just like, okay, now let's watch the next one. And then the next one. And we got all the way through season one. He's like, and there's season two. And we threw that on. And we get to, to Tales of Blasting Say, and it ends with uh, with Iroh saying happy birthday to his son. And then it says for Mako, because he's fucking dead at that point. Yeah. Dead, the real guy. And Sam, my, my old college roommate, he just sees that, and like tears running down his 30-year-old face. Yeah. And he just looks, and he just goes damn like that's it just damn and he's like how did this cartoon make me cry as if as if to say like damn i guess i'll have to watch another season of this show and so we literally watched the show in like a day that's a a feat yeah yeah i think i left it i think i left it at season three i'm like we finished season two and i'm like you just watch it like chills go through me when you reminded me of the end like that i yeah First of all, that guy, like, Mako was amazing. Yeah, incredible he voice was. actor. And, like, it was such a loss to lose him for the third season. I mean, his friend did an amazing job. He did a lovely job, but it wasn't but him. But having that be, like, one of the last episodes he worked on and then to dedicate that episode to him, I was just like, I mean, like, that episode, no matter what, like, that part of the story would have had an effect on me. Yeah. But to add that extra bit of information onto it, it's mm. just like... That's what it was. And, it, like, that's what hit... There's nothing like like you can have other emotional like impacts on me, but nothing is going to hit me in the same way as that. Yeah. Nothing you do in the next season or the rest of this season is gonna punch me in the face. Yeah. And so and then they follow it up with an episode like the headband where they do basically an avatar version of Footloose. Right? Oh my god. That was, that was fun. Well, you needed it. Well, that's the that's the thing is that they were so brilliant in there. Like, let's do some heavy shit, and then we'll do a slapstick or like a silly yeah. one, like just yeah. a one off. But you know, that's an important episode too because that episode shows you Fire Nation propaganda and yeah. why you get to peek behind the curtain and see why they believe what yeah. they believe. Well, it also helped. Yeah, but that, like, it's not just like if Zuko does. Like at that point, we don't know if Zuko's going to turn around or not. But if he does, it's not just him. Yeah. Like the issue really comes down to the military. And and the government, like, yeah. that's where the problem is. Yeah, you need to you need to show that freeing the Fire Nation is an is an achievable goal. <laughs> yeah, if if you can get to the young people and if you can help the next generation. Yeah, because you know? like otherwise, there's just there's if if everybody is brainwashed, 
you're you have more than a few wars in front of you now like and uh, uh, it, it was this season too we had the puppet master and i can't believe we've gotten this far uh, into it and we haven't talked about K- katara who i have to say katara you know is probably like you know like in my mind i like her more than ang i think she was more of a hero in the story than ang i like she most almost has like a luke skywalker thing I'm, i like most of the main characters more than ang yeah. ang for me was consistent and surprised me in it at times but my 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 favorite characters were never ang no, um, I mean, I do, and we... Aang is part of that same club as, like, Goku and Harry Potter and even yeah. Luke Skywalker, where they do their job, but everyone around them is yeah. more interesting. Yes. For, for me, I always felt, like, I know that the decisions that Aang had to make, like, especially when it came down to the Fire Lord, like, they were important and everything. But for me, I always felt like Zuko's journey was a thousand times more difficult. Yes. And for me, he was a greater hero. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they both had. I would say, like, while you went on Zuko's journey more. Like you saw the struggle of Zuko more. Like you saw Zuko it, it dealing had the with more human drama. But um, I think that proportionately, Ang and Zuko both had like the same weighted problem, where they're both like oh, yeah. you know, Ang literally oh. is responsible for the death of his race. That's a oh, pretty no, substantial certainly. problem. No, certainly. But I mean, like Zuko has like to not only face outward issues like his his father the the you know the the very idea of the fire nation yes um you know voiced by mark hamill so you know he's got yes. issues. so great um <laughs> honor and then but his also his own inner demons yes. you know like zuko's getting it from everywhere yep yep they, there's no character that zuko meets that doesn't challenge him and force yeah. him to look inward and question what he's doing i'm yeah. I, i'm reminded i don't know if you guys ever read scalp but there was a character in that book who was very similar I, th- I think his name was diesel and there's a bit that jason aaron writes where he's like you know i wake up every day and i pray to god you know why because god is gonna crap on me all day long but i just take it and i endure i endure like a <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> that's like, true that's basically zuko he endures like a motherfucker it's true every day yeah, yeah no matter what even when he betrays the like the only people that he might call friends and then asks them to like forgive him oh my god yeah that is for me like what greater thing can a person have to like overcome is your own humility like you know what i mean yep. you have to go there and be like hey I fucked up so bad. Yeah, and he's on probation for a long time too. Everyone has to have a little field trip with Zuko. Yeah, everybody. Except for Top. <laughs> Except for Top is like he's fine. That's cool. If we, if we could have had one more episode, I would have gotten on a field trip too. But you know. Yeah. yeah there was no time for that. Those are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mean the Zuko rep- like episodes? The yeah. Zuko. The what we should call the Zuko Chronicles. <laughs> Yeah, Zuko and yeah, friend. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like those last four, like a bunch, like two back-to-back ones. That's what it was. You know, it was like, okay, we got to get you back on the good guy side so you can train Aang for the ultimate thing. Yeah. Exactly. The one with, like, he and Katara going was spectacular. Oh, yeah. my God, that revenge episode. Spectacular. Oh, yeah. Darkest episode of the season where it's like, uh, Katara, I want revenge on the man who killed my mother, and you're going to help me. And then we find the man, and he is a pathetic shell of a human being. I know. And, she- and I love, like, Aang's like, don't do this and like zuko's like, like shut the fuck up like, yeah you don't you have no idea you don't understand revenge see, yeah see that's when i like ang the most ang is just like the angel on the shoulder in that yeah. one moment. Yep. but it's also like you can understand that 
you know, while Aang wound up being right, he is a sanctimonious pain in the ass sometimes. Yes. Like, yeah. shut the fuck up, oh, Aang. Sure. Yeah. When, you know what? Like, I get that, you know, the Fire Nation killed your, your family. And your uh, people. But you, A, you, you were responsible for that, and B, you didn't watch it happen. Uh, yeah. When you see it happen and can prevent it, you call me like <laughs> talk to me about that yeah. yeah also too hey remember in season one ang when all you wanted to do was ride on animals we dropped that pretty quick didn't we oh, yeah 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 it's true that was, that was his bucket list to ride on all these animals they're like yeah maybe we should drop this from the show yeah, yeah. so all right uh season three uh, we have that's when we have the day of black sun that was like the mid-season that's finale that's it where they were like okay this is probably gonna be the end not and by mid-season finale i mean it took over six months for the to come back and what a downer to end on yeah like mm-hmm. you don't just leave us there just hanging there like yeah hey yeah you know, you're gonna have to wait yeah Sorry. that was yeah that uh, i don't i uh, that was a rough time because we were like what happens we, uh, we didn't mention it too but i guess another thing to brought, bring up is the fact that when we find out that you know ang's family and the fire lord family how they're actually kind of connected they're really like, brothers oh. you're like oh <laughs> yeah yeah like i mean i i was hoping at some point we'd come back around and talk about roku and uh ozai uh, yeah I, I love that the old uh fire lord there it, it wasn't Oz, it was like oolong or something. oh it was like, um <laughs> that's <G. laughs> but they, yeah they're all Japanese, but that dude, that dude was voiced by uh, Ron, Ron Perlman. Perlman. The, the Fire Lord before was Perlman. I'm like, by God, they have every great voice actor in this show because it's Andrea Romano. That's true. Voice it, she just went. She just grabbed her Batman the Animated Series cast list and was like, "Who do we need?" Except for Kevin Conroy, I won't call him. No, forget him. Nobody cares. Well, you know, you know why? I bet she did, and she was like, "It's just Batman." It just sounds like he Batman's just, on the show. It would just be Batman in anything yeah. that he did. I mean, one of the th- things we skipped was, uh, well, we'll talk about voice. We should talk about voice actors as a whole separate thing. But like, yes. yeah. Um, all right. So season two, season three, they end the show in the mid. Like, thank you. Sozin. So- oh yes, because Sozin's comedy yeah. has a whole episode. Exactly. Don't challenge me, Sozin. <laughs> I'll just kill you. Uh, so yeah, the the day of Black Sun was an amazing like gut punch of a sh- of, of a season fin- of a half season finale. Then we come back and I think they got extra episodes. I think the idea was they were gonna do like they were gonna end like it in three, and then they got like four more, and they were like woohoo! And that's how they got to do the uh, the 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 Ember Island Players episode, where they oh, got to recap the whole show. Meta work. Yeah, how incredible it's is that episode? It's a clip show without really having a clip show. It's great. Yep, it's a clip show with all the work of a regular episode. <laughs> Uh, and they and they went and they were like hey and guess what plot development still in this episode and good good natured jabs at the fan base and the audience and everything and you know reaction i thought that was so genius honor i was just gonna say that it's the funniest thing i still laugh at that well, my favorite line is, I'm about to tear bend. And I'm like, yeah, she did cry a lot in season one. I love she's, like, she's like, everyone's exaggerating. I'm not a, I'm not a big preachy crybaby who's always giving inspirational speeches about hope all the time. And then she's giving one. And she's like, God damn it. <laughs> Apparently, that is what I am. And, and Zuko, as he's watching, he's just sinking lower and lower into his chair. Like, wow, I was awful, wasn't I? Yeah. <laughs> that moment where they like have... like It's amazing, because Toph and Zuko don't go on a little adventure. But Toph and Zuko's conversation there 
is amazing. And, and they bring it back to Iroh, where she's like, you know, I met an old man once. Oh, that was amazing. Iroh yeah. and Toph meeting and then never really addressing that again. Yeah. Like, never addressing it in the, in the place where they're like, hey, uh, you mean you and, me and I? Oh, like, they didn't do that. They were. And the, fa and the fact that Toph is the only one who actually likes how she's portrayed in the play as like a big, big muscle-bound head guy. She's like, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Because <laughs> originally, that's what the character was supposed to be. They had envisioned right. it as a guy and then they're like no nah, maybe it should be a woman yeah you know what let's have a little girl <laughs> how an adorable little girl at some point i hope we come around to a character that doesn't mean anything but i adore which would be the boulder oh the boulder <laughs> from that that whole episode of all those wrestling archetypes like ooh, the evil fire nation foreigner <laughs> <laughs> the boulder I, I assume they like tried to get the rock and he said they no they did and he couldn't do it so they were like fuck him let's make the rock would totally have done it though if he had time yeah and then they made it the boulder yeah the boulder says what, what, what the boulder says <laughs> <laughs> amazing <laughs> Such good, and the fact that so many of those background characters came back, like the cabbage guy. Okay, the cabbage merchant, hilarious character. Uh, I don't, I got it, I understood all three it. Three seasons. My cabbages. That's funny. I guess that's fine. He's a move the car George moment character for me, but yeah. Yeah. Or, or frothing mouth guy in the background. Oh my god! Oh my yeah, the. God. <laughs> <laughs> I was just good. so excited. Yep. Good old frothing mouth guy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, a, a, jo a joke they would actually bring back Cabbage Guy. They'd bring him back again for core. Or at least they would have a descendant of him come back. I think core. they I have like a company. Yeah, it's Cabbage yeah, Core. Yeah, 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 Cabbage Core. My Cabbage Core. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, genius. That was that. Yeah, for me, that's one of the cleverest things they did in that show. Um, Let's. Can we just circle back really quickly to the Ember Island players? Because that show, that episode's so great, and then the ending to that is so dark. Yeah. It yes. Is. Where like right, we're watching a Fire Nation play. They're right. Tell how they think it ends. Yeah, that's right. They're like, wait a minute, they're, they're, it's not over yet. <laughs> they're like, no, 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 it we're is. Watching a piece of propaganda. Yeah. Which I love how what a slightly accurate portrayal of everything is. So it must blow the like audience's minds where they're like, no, don't don't kill everyone. But they still cheer, and you're like, okay, that's rough. <laughs> yeah. or, or, or the fact that when they leave, I, I couldn't help but feel that the line they say was, you know, the writers kind of tagging the movie that was coming out, where they're like, well, that sucked, but the effects were nice. That was amazing. Yeah. Okay, now the movie was being, I assume it was in development or finished at that point? So they had to have known the creators at this point. They had to have known what a turd it was when they were writing it. Yeah. Um Let's talk about the sh let's talk about the movie after we're done with the with the show. Yeah, yeah. So all right, that, just that needs this whole thing. yeah. So the show ends and it's brilliant, and beautiful. Uh, Mark Hamill is a tour de force actor who yeah. goddamn who is. they introduce like like they've been they've been teasing him, but he really doesn't do anything until season three. Yeah, he was kind of a, shadowed. He hung out. He really only became a thing near the end. And kind of a bold move to be like your main. It, it's very Return of the Jedi in that your main villain, the real Emperor, bad guy, yeah. is not introduced until like the tail end of your last. Of the mm -hmm. of the last act of your show, but yeah, yeah. Um, I'm the Phoenix King now. What's your plan? I'm gonna literally burn the entire world. <laughs> yeah, and just. I, I gotta tell you, I loved that fight at the end. I that thought it was oh, spectacular. So but for me, it was the Zuko Azula Katara fight. Oh yeah, and oh yeah. The that music the for best. that, Nickelodeon. Shame on you for not putting the soundtrack out. Shame yeah. what on the you. Fuck? I would give you all my money. <laughs> I, I love how they got around showing blood 
for the Katara stuff because she gets hit and then her water jug just leaks out everywhere. And I'm like, ooh, you did blood without doing blood. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, that fight is just spectacular. Yeah. To, where, to where, again, she's just raving Azula, you know. Yeah. And just she's like, pure she's insanity. destroying her own kingdom that she finally has now and it's just making her more angry. Yeah. Oh. For me, the best part of that is Toph and Sokka taking out the airships. Oh my also, god. And, and how... Second, that uh, they're not gonna make yeah, it. I'm like, they're gonna kill these fucking characters and I'm gonna freak out. <laughs> now we have Zuko. We have a new character. We can get rid of those. We have too many main characters. We could kill at least three of them. <laughs> Top, who mastered metal bending in this time, becoming the first metal bender of her generation, creating a <laughs> she, whole new style. She's basically Bender from Futurama. She's like, oh, I'm even greater than I thought I was. <laughs> Bite my shiny earth ass. <laughs> well, eventually she has a metal ass because she goes into the airship and then creates a suit of armor out of it and just beats the shit out of people. Yes. What I love, too, is those two dumb guards on that ship. Those, oh, my those God. are the two creators. That's Kanitsko and Martino. <laughs> is that when they're... Is, where they're like, they remembered my birthday. Carrying over from the, like, essentially the first episode, the fact mm -hmm. that Iroh was, you know, dishonored because he couldn't take Ba Sing Se. Yeah. And for them to turn it around into, he was meant to take Ba Sing Se back. He was like, the defender of it. Like, yeah. blew my mind. That's right, because he had, like, a vision that he was going to take it, and he's like, no. <laughs> I and misinterpreted it. And that all the cool old dudes we had met up until that point were actually part of some secret Illuminati force. Oh, right? Yes. Seeing them so get to like kick ass and take names, awesome. Yeah. And be old while they do it. That's also cool. <laughs> yeah. It's true. We're old as hell and we don't care. We're going to beat you all up. It's amazing. Yeah, Watch out. Um, uh, all right. So the show. We, we so much happens that like that it's hard to cover it all. that it's hard to cover it all but like they end the show and it's like okay uh brilliant bril uh, brilliant setup i guess we could talk about the shippers and zutara and katang <laughs> I guess we'd have to talk about this at some point, which makes me even happier that Tiff is on the show, so it's not just me and Sal, two dudes, talking about this topic. Yeah. <laughs> a lot less weird. <laughs> yeah. Just a bit. Just a bit. Um, so, all right. I, 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 for one, am happy with the ships that the show provided to me, and I am not in <laughs> any way one of those types. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I dug what we got. I liked the implication of what was going to happen. You know, like, oh, shit. Like, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Aang is too young for Katara. Maybe she and, maybe she and Zuko it, it sure work together. It seemed like that, though. I will say that. It's like, wouldn't it have been more interesting if they were just friends by the end of it? Wouldn't, wouldn't that have also been a subversion? But they're like, nah, nah, I guess, you know, happy endings for everybody. I'm glad, I was satisfied with how that happened, but I also felt like it was a little bit of fan service. Plus, you know, the fact that they did it means that they could have their J.K. Simmons son in the future. Ugh, he was yeah. so great. We're not talking about that. Yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> no, like, I was, I was, like, when they did that episode with Katara and, and Zuko, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know I wanted that. But they had kind of been hinting at that whole thing, like, early in season one. They are like, kind of, maybe, who knows? Not going to happen. Never yeah. Happen. And then it was like, <laughs> and then, of course, you, you read things like Batman Beyond 2.0, and you're like, well, maybe she and Suko hooked up and had a kid somewhere else, and then she got together. With him. Hey, 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 if Kyle Higgins wrote this, or if the guy who wrote like the newest Naruto movie, I'm sure that would have happened. I, 
I, I know nothing about Naruto. N neither do I. <laughs> best, I. Neither do I. I'm watching a two best friends let's play right now, and they're talking about it. I'm like, seriously? Yeah. Well, okay. Um, but the the shipping was cute. I always I always uh, was pushing for um, for Sokka and Toph to get together. Yeah, I think that's too obvious. Where it's like, eh, you're the other two on the team. You're the shaggy Velma of this team. Yeah, you need to get together just because of that. Right, just because you're like you're a guy and girl. That's yeah, but you know, sometimes people are just incompatible. And the interesting thing about Toph is that she was seemingly alone for the rest of her life, even though she did have kids. She lived like the rest of her days alone, which yeah. is kind of sad. Yeah, yeah. I did like, um... yeah. Uh, oh, oh, even in the beginning of the show, they were they were pushing the whole, like, uh, Katara and Jet relationship. And oh, yeah. no. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, shipping is interesting. That was one of the first things that I ever saw, like, shipping taking place. People get, like, really serious about Yeah, me too. People get I, real like, mad I, about I it. I checked out of anime at that point, so yeah. Yeah, I, that, yeah, I remember that being, like, a thing where I'm like, people were like, so what do you think about uh, Aang and, or about uh, Zuko and Katara getting together? I'm like, well, they're not going to because it's a children's cartoon. Like, yeah, really. Poker mentioning that we didn't talk about the Boiling Rock episode, which we <sighs> kind of touched on because that is part of Zuko and his and his friend adventures. Yes, um, cool, cool prison episode, and you know we also yep. you know learn more about like the one who Zuko was actually paired with, who they did get together, and then the comics actually undid their relationship, which is funny. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Although oh, they're actually, the, great, the newest uh, comics actually working them back together. Oh, okay. right. Okay, so um, the show ends, and we seemingly never get any more Avatar: The Last Airbender outside of a terrible movie and a completely different cartoon show that references the show a lot, but doesn't actually succeed in giving us what we had before. Um, but then they made mm -hmm. these comics. They did. And if you're not familiar with the comics that I think are published by IDW... No, Dark Horse. Dark Horse, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's The Promise, The Search, The Rift, and the newest one that's two issues in right now is called Smoke and Shadow. Yes. Now, I read the first two because I assumed The Promise was going to be about Zuko's mom, which was a running element that we never really got any resolution to. They they joke about that in the first episode of Legend of Korra, where it's like, hey, did we ever figure out what happened to Zuko's mom? No, 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 no kids, move on. Moving on. and uh, But The Promise, I think you can pretty much skip. Uh, see, see, I like the promise because like the it's promise it's too. that story that you would always figure would happen in something like Star Wars, where it's like, look, just because you defeated the evil empire doesn't mean the war is over. If yeah. anything, things are going to get worse now because there's certain colonies and certain groups that did better under Fire Nation control. Right, uh, and I, I liked the the implications of that, but I was like. Isn't this a little too little too late? Like, are we really doing this episode now? Like, it was just well, kind of the odd. fact that another war almost breaks out. Yes. Uh, thanks to, uh, was it thanks to Zuko and the Earth King, who we didn't mention before? Who nice guy, but totally impotent politician, who almost again starts another war just to try and get some of his metaphorical manhood back. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. I, I and, the, and, and the fact that the colony that they're all fighting over is what will become Republic City. Yes. yes. I thought it was interesting that they did inevitably tie that in. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked that, especially when I was... Because I think season one of Korra had already aired at that point. Yes, and so had. you're like, okay, cool. Like, I'm seeing some threads being put together. Cause... And, and, and the promise, for those of you wondering, is literally Zuko saying, hey, if I become an evil tyrant like my father, you gotta promise to kill me, pinky yeah. sweater. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, dude, up. what? <laughs> and, but it makes sense because it's almost like a self-aware um, Sozin and uh, history Roku. repeating yeah, itself. Roku yeah, it, moment. Yeah, it's just, it's a different, it's a very different Sozin. Yeah. 
which I dig. Um, I, yeah. I love that when Aang is like conferring with all the past avatars, they all have a different take on his situation and what he should do. Yeah. And yeah. some are like, no, Aang, you must be true to yourself and be, you know, respectable. And other avatars like, yo, kill that fool, suck it, kill him dead. Now that, okay. Even the, the other air avatar is like, you got to do what you got to do. Yes. Yeah. And like, that's what Aang's like, I am so not gonna listen to any of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> you were all a little murder happy. Kyoshi's yeah. like, I killed the dude. I killed lots of people. I thought at least the air avatar would be like, got my on back. my side. But no. Yeah. Now, okay, really quick, the end of the show, going back to the end, to the third season, the introduction of the lion turtle for me was yeah. a little convenient. Yeah. It's a little deus ex, but they, they would do more with the lion turtle in Korra, but I'm guessing you never watched that. I, I watched a no, lot more of Korra <laughs> than I have any business watching. But um, did you watch the lion turtle episode of Korra where they kind of do like the creation myth yes. of the entire Avatar? Okay. Yes, I saw all of I saw how they how they how they ruined uh, bending and everything. Yeah, but uh, is, I, is the... that okay? I, again, we'll save that for the Korra. Yeah, the Korra episode. The Korra episode is going to be a lot. It's going to be a very different atmosphere. Like like season three <laughs> of Avatar: The Last Airbender, it'll be darker than <laughs> than this one. Um, I, I also liked that throughout. If you watch the, I think there's lion turtle imagery throughout the season mm -hmm. throughout the series though so at least the, yeah. they set that up like okay there's lion turtle like imagery like he's there and maybe we were gonna get there but it only we had to we had to push it all the way to the end of the show uh, another very kind of asian thing to have a turtle creature you know like the, the creator of the world you know the world on the back of a turtle and everything and all that other yes. stuff. That's, that was cool um but i felt like it was a little convenient and he's like because Ang... to come at the 11th hour and be like hey here's the power you needed right well it's like to come at the 11th hour and say i know that all your resources have tell have told you something you can't use but here's this special thing here's a special god machine that will solve all your problems and i was like really here's a, here's a machine that makes dreams come true i can't yeah, yeah. all you gotta do is wish for a happy ending um you just gotta all join hands and then wish the phoenix force away really hard yeah uh yeah exactly god damn it but you know, but then again, they play with the repercussions of you know uh, Ozai being alive in the comics, and even now in the newest story, we're seeing a uh, Neo Fire Nation imperialists who are just like, oh, we need to go back to this, you know, reinstate Ozai. It was better oh under God. him. That sounds very he's first still alive, order. That's on the table. Yes, that's yeah. cool. Um, I, I liked that Aang was like, no, I'm not going to compromise who I am. Like, I am the Avatar for a reason, and I like I can't kill him. And I, I will find another way. And I'll, I, I, don't I, don't even, I don't even kill my own meat. I can't kill a human being. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what? But the the solution for taking his bending away, uh, perfect solution. It's an interesting idea. I don't think you needed the lion to do that. Just say I somehow did. You well, know? just say like you know, like look, no avatar has ever been in my position, and they've never needed to approach this problem from this angle. And I've I've consulted with all, I've conferred with all the past avatars, and they all basically say that they don't have a solution. So I'm the only one who's like who's not gonna listen to them and do something else. And, and again, not to mention core again, but as we find out with taking bending powers away, you don't need lion turtle god magic to do it if you're just really good at water bending well that's actually yeah the water bending all right well, we won't talk about that but like yeah, I, I was just gonna say that like debending or rebending which is what i called it was like something that you prop that like the avatar should just be able to do like 
if you're in the Avatar state or whatever, because you're making like, it up, you might as well nice just... or I'll take your powers away. Yeah, like I don't know if I feel how I feel about that. All right, fair um, enough. Because then yeah, you are I... making them like god, jury, and executioner. You know, there. I have like I, part of this feels like that was like they didn't know what they were gonna do. Yeah. But I have too much faith in the team to not imagine that this wasn't the plan. Yeah. You know, but like. That was the one thing that, for me, felt like it, there were there weren't very many like seeds planted to lead us to that. No, you know, we all knew that Aang did not want to kill the Fire Lord, but they didn't really hint at anything or like you know give us any sort of foreshadowing to this. No, there was no like sign on the wall. There was no like passing line or 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 like belief or comment in which a character says, even Aang says, like I know there is another way somewhere. Like, right. I mean, like, even if he had gone back to the spirit world, like, mm. if, even if he had, like, used the chakras in some way, you know, yeah, like, that's that what I was expecting. Something. Like, if he had met the lion turtle on one of his journeys into the spirit yeah. world, that might have given me, like, that, like, I don't know. You know, it just would have been different. I would have been okay if they had even, if, like, he ran into, like, when he runs into uh, Roku on Fang. Uh, when they're in the spirit world, when they deal with the mm. panda monster, and and, he, and and Aang says something like, "Whoa!" Like, what? I said, "Hey, bye." Yeah, where he's like, "Whoa, a dragon!" And like, Roku says something like, "Dragons are not the biggest living thing on this planet." You know, like something like some kind of reference to like a greater power. Man, you think dragons are nuts? I've seen stuff that would blow your mind. Yeah, I've seen shit that'll turn you white. Uh, also, <laughs> but I'm already white, Roku. Uh, whiter. I mean, like a ghost. Uh, the um, the the thing that we need to talk about that we haven't yet, and it's just because it's one of my favorite episodes, is when uh, Sozin and Roku battle on the volcano, and Fang sacrifices mm. his life. To... <laughs> I mean, you went, when we were talking about Sozin and Roku, like I had that memory of him, the Avatar calling... and the Fire Lord. Well, and the friggin' yeah. and when like. Clearly, Roku is gonna die, and then Fang, his dragon, curls up around him and dies with him. And you're yeah. like, "That's fucked." Yeah, <laughs> like amazingly great, beautiful yeah. moment. Yeah, it really is. Like ugh. those two, like that. I'm so glad we got that history. Mm -hmm, definitely. You know, and I love the way that we got it. Yeah. Got a whole episode devoted to it. Yeah, and that was just spectacular. Like. Can I was gonna say, can we talk to about like bending in general, like the many different styles? Can I just say here, and I know I've said this on other stuff, and I stand by, water bending is OP, right? We can all agree on it that. It became that OP. Is the best one. I think it became OP when they made it like tied into everything and make you make you be able to take away fucking like powers and shit with it. Because it's like, think about it. You can do water. You can do ice. Yeah. You can heal, so it's the only one of the bending things that actually has like a defensive medicinal skill. You. Can you can do bloodbending, which is the most evil, most horrible, you know, uh, forbidden technique. Yeah. And as we've shown, you can also use it to take away powers if you're clever enough. Exactly. Oh, and you get boosted, but what was it you get boosted by? You get boosted by, like, the full moon or something? How many full moons are there every year? Yeah, yeah no, but every, like, hundred years, you'll get it, like, the firebenders get a comet. I was gonna say, and yet they got trounced. Yes, and yeah. yet they were just so decimated. Their entire people. Yeah. Yeah. No. Got royally defeated. It's, yeah. I mean, like, I get that, like, we're 70% water or whatever, and that it take, covers, like, you know, a lot of the planet and stuff like that. Like, we're technically all connected to water more than fire and, like, rocks. Yeah. But a little OP, and if especially if, you're, if your message is that all the nations all are equal. equal. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you can't do both. I don't know. I feel like that's weak. There's also more water on the earth than there is anything else. Yeah. I'm just going to say. What's amazing, though, is they didn't spend a whole lot of time 
in areas that were overflowing with water. It's true. Yeah. Like we and then you get into the weird positions too with like mud and lava where it's like, well, shouldn't technically both types of benders be able to control that if there's equal amounts of both? In right? <laughs> Which they did do sort of, I mean, like they, they you know, like uh, Toph can do the mud when they're fighting that big thing that's going to attack um, Ba Sing Se, right. the right. machine. Yeah. So. The phallic drilling machine. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little phallic. It's like I shall penetrate the walls of this impenetrable city in my phallic drill machine. Yeah. Exactly. Like, um... It's basically just the the transport module from the Technodrome. It totally is. Yeah. Um, this is for from Ninja Turtles for all you younger fans. Uh, also, hey, another cool theme of the Avatar stuff, this kind of magic versus technology thing, how the Fire Nation is evil, even though the Fire Nation is clearly pushing technological advancements way more than any of the other nations are. Yes. I Except like that. when we meet those Earthbenders who took over, or not Earthbenders, mm. but those people who took Moved over into the, the Air, Air, Air Temple. Temple. Yeah. And... Again, like, we put technology in the eye of being bad because of what they did, but at least Aang kind of realizes, eh, like, yeah. oh, that's I, right. I don't really have claim over this anymore. Yeah. You you left, Aang. You're, you know. Yeah. But, but Someone in the chat um, Co the Face Stealer. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that's one of those things that that's an early season one thing where you're like... Like, what the hell's happening? Like, yeah. You're, like, finding out more. Like Omar from The Wire. Yeah. Yeah, but, like... It's just these little things where we're like, are kids watching this right now? Are they? Yeah. Can you get this? I, I mean, like, look, there's horrible, <laughs> there's horrifying shit in all of children's literature. Uh, oh, there is, but and, like, it's. But it's time to bring that shit back. For me, yeah, like, yeah. it's time to bring that, like, horror back into children's, like, kids need media. To be scarred in the they need to be way. scared. Like, look, like, all the 80s movies that kids grew up with, Labyrinth, like, a Goblin King with a huge dick is going to come into your house and steal your little <laughs> baby brother. You know, like, David Bowie's going to sing Dance Magic Dance and make you look at his back. And try to bang your underage sister. Like, there's lots of crazy shit that we all grew up with that made us interesting people. Uh, yeah. it, it's time to put that back into the real oh, world. Oh, no, I agree, but it's just, like, it hasn't hadn't been there. And no, like, it's true. It was like, whoa. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Ko and the face dealer was like, what the fuck? And they don't touch on Ko again until, like, the search, and even then he doesn't even really show up. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah that's, it's messed up. It is. Like, Ko the face dealer, awesome. Yes. I, I, I've heard way more interesting theories about Ko that ended up not actually panning out. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. And but but you know what? His first appearance is so good, maybe he didn't need another one. That's right. It's true. You know what? It would have diminished his appearance because he's yeah. so scary and he's so cool and he has such a like dark back like backstory that has direct connection with certain avatars that you do meet later and you're like this is like it would diminish him to have him like show up again and be a problem and you know yeah. it's just weak but other episodes that are kind of scary but not but like just not quite right like the library yeah the library oh, yeah. and the owl and shit that was that amazing too owl. scary owl as does owl. come back in Korra actually yeah but that, not only just that but like the fact that they're they're underground and the only thing holding it up is you know is tough you yeah. know like holding the library up yeah and that's when like of course that's when op is taken but i mean that whole episode is dark yep it's mm -hmm. scary it's you know what i mean like there's so many things that could go wrong there first of all you're dealing with this really bizarre owl second of all they could literally be buried alive and third of all like one of our you know side characters who we all love deeply is you know being taken like these guys managed to balance these episodes and create tension 
in a world that is also filled with immense comedy. And I, I oh, think yeah. that's really like my hat off to them. Yeah. yeah. That's the understated thing of Avatar. Like it's a funny show. Yeah. But it's also incredibly deep and like sorrowful and remorse. Like you, you think it makes you think more than most shows that I watch it's with true. like with adults in it. <laughs> Sokka drinking cactus juice out yes. there in the desert and freaking out. Yeah. Yes, and then eating the honey after he finally gets mm-hmm. over the cactus juice. Like, what? What's wrong with you? <laughs> you Control um, yourself. All right. So, uh, brilliantly, brilliantly voiced. Oh no, it's alright. Uh, we have to talk about, which would be Secret Tunnel. Secret Tunnel. Oh god, I friggin' love Chong and the Nomads. All their stuff so is amazing. It gets stuck in my head on a like at least once a month. It is. It is Secret a. Tunnel, it is a. Secret Tunnel. It is like every couple of weeks. It comes up. <laughs> it's so good. It's that like I wish they had released a full version of this. I would buy <laughs> the Nomads album. Right. Yes! Right? Yeah. That's another amazing example of being able to have, like, a lot of levity, still have a meaningful episode, and then still put in these things where you're like, this is kind of a dark and scary world. Like, to actually have crafted a world in which there is good and bad, and to feel, like, like, happily to show it to to us, the viewer. Yeah. Why do you have a red mark on your face? Yeah. (laughs) Whap! Um, that episode is people were just people for real, man. I love that. Like, Hey, do you guys want to come with us? No. Okay. Goodbye. And then they leave and you're like, yay. Good. (laughs) Talk about a joke. Kids wouldn't get that. The lead guy's name is Chong. That's a reference to Tommy. Yeah. Like, Hey man, it's all cool. I'm having a nice time right now. (laughs) We're ancient Asian hippies. (laughs) all go to a con we should all go as as, as, that, the, nomads. as the nomads i like this idea right <laughs> <laughs> so good so, so good uh andrea romano was the voice casting director for the show which is like saying that uh steven spielberg's directing the next movie you want to watch uh, <laughs> because she is so great and she has such a like breath of work under her belt that is oh, yeah. like unparalleled and anytime so many freaking emmys and and she has like a rolodex that i envy because oh, she's God. worked with everyone and uh she pulls out all the stops of the show which is on every big show and you know when andrea romano con- or calls you know you gotta go do it you gotta do it and uh and so just a couple of shout outs of course like the 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 core can- gang, the Team Avatar, brilliantly voice cast. I'd never heard any of their voices before. Uh, Katara, I had heard because she was in a what movie yeah. was she in? She was in a she was a Scott, she was in Scott Pilgrim, wasn't she? She was the, okay, she yeah. was the ninja, wasn't she? Yeah, I didn't see Scott Pilgrim. And, and, <laughs> and her father, her her father is someone famous actually. Yeah, May yeah. Whitman is Katara, and her dad is someone famous. Yes. Oh, that's right. And of course, uh, Rufio from Hook is yep. Sokka I'm uh, Zuko what a freaking pull for that Zuko what a freaking pull for that we're gonna get goddamn Rufio yeah we'll get this kid that's literally been in nothing I mean like right? he's been in stuff I'm sure but you know to be to be this hilarious like to be this 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 millennial joke character and then be this incredibly deep amazing to, to give it 110 he like, really swings and treat, and treat it like you know, I'm gonna get my Oscar for this yeah 
he was robbed because he's so brilliant mako oh, may whitman sal you know her i do know may whitman i well I, she did um i was just looking her up she did um she was a little susie and johnny bravo oh, oh that's right she was <laughs> <laughs> oh mama she, pat music is the one she's related to oh okay oh like like lorenzo music or, uh, well, I think, yeah, same family. Oh, that's awesome. L- Lorenzo Music, who was Garfield, right? Garfield and Pete Venkman for a little while. Nice. He was, Gar- he was Pete Venkman until Bill Murray said that he sounded too much like him, and then they fired him, and then Dave Coulier came in to do a Lorenzo Music impression. <laughs> Fucking in greatest, stupid. In the greatest thing he ever did, Dave Coulier. Yeah. Or, no, 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 that's not true. Dave Coulier was perfect for inspiring... That Alanis Morissette song that everybody likes. Ah, there you go. Yes, very true. That's who a, a she's whole, bitching about. A whole album of saying what a jackass. Yeah, <laughs> the Jay Little Pill is. Thank you, Dave Coulier, for pissing off Alanis Morissette because so much that she created. That so album much rocks. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, and then of course like uh, George Takei plays that admiral for a, one episode. That one episode. Amazing. Just. Ooh. <laughs> Can you, George Takei, can you do a George Takei impression for us? Because he's Basically. like, oh, yes, I can. Well, he also does that, um, that, I can't remember what the line is, where he, Oh, like, do you think that a few inspirational words and some coal will help these people? Yes, like, so. what are you doing, George? Do you want to take oh, that again? <laughs> no, I don't. I'll cash my check today. Leave. Wouldn't take George is what they call me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Excelsior, engage. <laughs> It's so great uh, that uh, Takei showed up in an episode of Clone Wars 2 playing one of those racist Asian aliens, and he basically just did the exact same thing <laughs> in this Avatar. Thing. I love that. That's I was on amazing. Star Trek, now I'm on Star Wars, too. Oh, fun. no, I play a trade federation. Like, the funny thing is he's not nearly as racist. Like, he didn't do it as nearly as racist as probably the not-Asian people that play the trade federation. It's true. Newt Gunray. God damn it. Let's not talk about that. I can't uh, believe you remember that that's his name, Newt Gunray. Yep. I uh, talk about Newt Gunray more than Newt Gunray deserves. It's true. I, I talk <laughs> about Newt Gunray almost as much as I talk about Dexter Jexter. Ah, <laughs> oh, love that guy. He owned a coffee shop. Anyway, that's so weird. Who else is in? Oh. Uh, Mark Hamill, of course. Uh, tears the house down. Um, Jennifer Hale Thank plays. You. I was like, you gotta get to as her. the bounty hunter as the... and also as who as Kyoshi, I think too, wasn't she? I think she was. June, and uh, <laughs> I love her. I met her. Yeah. Oh, did you really? I did. And then Sal, I just, I just literally gushed at her, and then I left. And she was like, I... "You're so great. I remember you from I... the World's Crumb, San Diego. We gotta go by." I essentially verbally right. threw up on this woman because like she has voiced every character. Everybody. And then she the sound went back and got her to record a message for me, which Aww. I still have. And it's just like it's one of the most inspiring and uplifting things ever. It's, ah. it's true. She oh. was she was super cool. And she had a like when I went back, there was no line. I'm just like, excuse me, Ms. Hale. You know, like ugh. You're you're a titan. Uh, can like can I steal some minutes of of, of, of airtime from you? Um, you? You made our lives and our childhoods magical. Would you please do me one more thing? Let me tell you something. That was an amazing day. That was Kineticon two years ago, and it was Jennifer Hale. It was Maurice Lamarge, <sighs> and Rob Paulson. 
Ah, oh, so good. Maurice Lamarge, and I, I didn't talk to him. He seemed a little busy and a little, like, I apparently he's really awesome, but he seemed a little standoffish at that moment, and he seemed kind of busy, and I was like, I don't want to I don't want my memory of Maurice Lamarge to be negative. Be yelling at you. So, the brain yelled at me. But I really, but I wanted to do, to talk to him about the thing. I've been laughing at his Orson Welles impression. Probably so since good. 1992, 93. Like, also in Pinky and the Brain when they did that great War of the Worlds thing. Yeah. The thing I'll always remember him for, of course, is where he played Orson Welles in The Critic, where he's like, rosebud frozen peas, full of, <laughs> full of country goodness and green penis. Wait, that's terrible. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> and just a handful for the road. <laughs> so good. I've been crying. I've, I've literally been lying, like, been crying about that since 1993, whatever. And I want to be like, I want to go up to him and be like, you're amazing but he's busy but then i talked to rob paulson and i still subject okay really quick aside because we're at a, we're at an hour and a half um oh, really yeah okay you know what team avatar amazing show avatar the last airbender final thoughts on avatar the last airbender really good really solid really surprising three season show I yeah mean, i think it's definitely up there i remember ign a few years back did like you know like you know cartoon face-off where it's like you know what was the greatest cartoon and i think it was avatar the last airbender versus batman the animated series and i'm like okay for me it's batman the animated series but it's like a whole but for a whole new generation, I could see why they would pick Avatar. Yes. Like, Avatar is a deeper show with more intricate character development. But Batman wins me. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'd have to go with Avatar. I think Avatar is a better story-driven show. It's an and overall that's what it is for me. Yeah. Like, I love the animated series. I love Batman. I absolutely do. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I think that Avatar is a better story yeah i think it's one of those things that taken as a whole it is greater than the sum of its parts easily and i think that's 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 something you know really amazing that you can say but it's like this ties together really well yeah avatar did something that most western shows won't do but eastern shows will they had a story they told it and then they were done yeah the last airbender was like we had the beginning of our story and the end of our story and we're not telling anything beyond that like this is the last airbender that's it yeah Except like, for all those comics that we told later. Except for all those comics. But show-wise, the guys had their idea. And technically, in a lot of Asian you know, animes, the anime will have, here's the show, there you go. And the manga might still go on. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. in a sense, they really did follow that. But like that's so impressive. It had in, a beginning, in, middle, and end, rise yeah. and fall, character development, yep. and it worked. It's right? True. Like in, a, in, in such a, like a Western-dominated culture that we have, being in the West, like and it being <laughs> all about getting as many seasons as possible and making as much money as you can off of it, to have the integrity to say no. Yeah is i i you gotta run it into the ground until it's not fun anymore until everyone's flanderized versions of themselves and you've lost sight of what you're doing it's one of those shows that because of that integrity because of their their love for it because of their skilled world building the incredible soundtrack which i know i briefly mentioned but i still hate the fact that they just didn't put that out there like they could have made so much bank off of that Uh, uh, also i mean any show that can be enjoyed by kids and adults you know simultaneously that's work for different reasons that Mm -hmm. is that take that is a challenge and it takes actual talent to make happen 
and but not they, everyone goes for all ages appeal anymore because right. it's difficult oh yeah, yeah even they did uh, even those people abandoned it around season two of Korra they were like ah it's for teenagers fuck it and we'll talk about that when we get to Korra yeah. they made, it, they made a right. choice they made a deliberate choice and this show was like no it, what I think is amazing about this show is that you can like if you run into someone who doesn't know it who isn't a fan like who just didn't missed it somehow they completely missed it you can say with certainty you should watch this show because there's yeah. not going to be a moment in the show where you're like well and then like season like 16 really goes downhill that's the but, thing like, season three through seven are pretty good no here's a show beginning middle and end gonna be awesome yeah um apparently the whole soundtrack is on spotify tiffany I know, I see that. <laughs> I see I, your reaction. I, I'm not going to lie, and I, I don't mind if it's going to go up there and screw you, Nickelodeon. I contacted them. I sent them, like, a letter. I was like, I, I want this. I want to buy it. Why won't you do it? They never got back to me. No. So then after they didn't get back to me, I went and I started finding it illegally. And <laughs> <laughs> I think you pretty much, like, hobbled together a decent enough soundtrack. I did, soundtrack. my favorite song. My absolute favorite song, other than Leaves from the Vine, which made me sad every time I heard, it came on, um, was the Azula and Zuko Oh, uh, with the with the with the sticks. Yeah, it is. Oh, it was, it's called the last Agni Kai. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Because it's exactly it what it is. the last Agni Kai is one of my all-time favorite songs. Period. Yeah. I totally incriminated myself. <laughs> but, yes, uh, like, come on, Nickelodeon, come at me. Don't come at no me. No, come at us, please. No, no, just not, not, not you, just me. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, great show. Uh, such fond memories. Enjoy, like, and it's and has such rewatchability. Are a fan? I know I had this in the background. I highly recommend picking this book up. It is filled with some of the most spectacular art you're gonna see. Yep. It's published so by Dark Horse, I think, and yep. uh, you can pick it up. You know what? Yeah. I'll make a it's link just, right now. It's the art of the animated series. It is literally like it's so amazing to be able to go through and see some of the concepts for early, you know, designs for characters to be like, wow, I'm sure glad they didn't go with that. Yeah, or wow, I can't believe they didn't go with that. Yeah, and they also re released the show just recently on Blu ray, I think, with a new Blu ray collection. Cool. That's awesome. You remember the, um, remember the armor that Aang tries on? Yes. Yeah. Yes, that, I do remember and, that. And they mentioned that in here because that was like someone came to them and was like, we should try doing this, like for a toy, that kind of thing. And they like, you know. Like, oh, <laughs> it's a total show note. Yeah, exactly. So then they put it in there as a joke. So like, Look, we need book... lava attack Aang. <laughs> it's amazing how much they didn't do that, like in the show where they didn't like. And I don't remember there really being very many avatar the last airbender toys at all i remember there oh, being what? some crappy video games but i don't remember there being any really a lot of crappy video games yeah and of course they were like yeah book two the video game f you i'm not gonna fucking play that the, 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 the biggest thing or at least the biggest legacy of the avatar the last airbender video games is that i think one of them back uh back during like xbox achievements and everything one had like the largest list of achievements you could get in the shortest amount of time wow oh, really? that makes sense yeah. that's cool that's awesome yeah Ugh, have they, achievements for everything. Have they uh, made a Lego game for Avatar The Last Airbender? Because that would no, be... They, they haven't and they should. It's a real thing they need to do. Check out this... I'm, I'm surprised they never tried to do like an RPG, like my ideal situation. That was something we were like really... Yes. I, 
if Bioware did like an Avatar The Last Airbender RPG where it's like, okay, you are the Avatar. You are the chosen one. You get to pick your class. You get to pick your element. And then you collect a team of characters in the same archetype as the one in the show. We did it for Star Wars. We did it with Dragon Age. And we'll do it for this. Well, that, see, I thought we were going somewhere else. I thought we were just a citizen of the world. Yeah, that's what I wanted. <laughs> Come okay. in as whatever we wanted. Well, that's what the D&D homebrew for Avatar The Last Airbender <laughs> is. Where yeah. you can pick your class and be just a person. Yes, I wanted an Avatar The Last Airbender MMO. Mm, That's what I was hoping. They did. They made something like that. Like it was like a browser game that they launched like right after the show ended, and it was it was terrible. It was just not. It was not worth it. Why aren't I shocked? I know, right? Well, because no one's playing it. Like people would still be playing it today. Um, but anyway, Avatar The Last Airbender is an amazing show. Uh, we have a link for the art book in the description box below this video. And I want to thank my guests today, who I'm unfortunately lost their uh, current and live visages. But I know, have... which I realized I was showing the book to nobody. I know, yeah. I know. But you don't have to look at it in the video. You could just look at it for yourself. Go pick it's up so a copy. Good. It's hardbound. It's beautiful. It's also big. It's like an oversized like art book. It's not, it is. It's not like really big. Wait, so it's... hang on. Yeah, Tiffany will bring it in here. But uh, you could pick that up in the description box below this video. And uh, by, by all means, please uh, watch the show if you haven't already. Here's the book. It's yes, great. Please. It's really big and fun. And it's made by Dark Horse. So it's brilliantly bound and well, like, it's, it's you know, glossy pages and, you know, background <laughs> it's art. It's pretty. But uh, watch the show if you haven't already. If you have yeah. seen the show, watch it again or show a friend because it's an yeah. amazing thing. And we could always use more people on Team Avatar. Man, it's you know true. what? You know what's a great idea? What's that? If you're not into the Super Bowl, but you feel like having a party and then your friends nah. are, have them over. Yeah. Watch nah. an Avatar. Throw an Avatar party. It's about as long as watching the actual game. So Yeah, it's yeah. true. That, that's fine. You can watch the trailers later, everybody. That's what everyone else does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's true. Actually, some of them are released, like, the day before now, so... They are, I know, right? So that's destroyed. And um, I'm sure Budweiser will do another Clydesdale horse commercial that will make you cry. Oh, my God! Yeah, what the hell? Don't They're make me sad. Iroh's Tale from Ba Sing Se episode. Uh, <laughs> and at the end, drink Budweiser. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. In memory of Budweiser. At what point did Budweiser just decide we're gonna make you cry every year now? So then you'll want to drink. Well, it used to be. It used to be that we'll like make you laugh with our hilarious frogs. But now let's actually make it like a thing. We'll set a tragic uh, horse thing to the song "Landslide," and then you'll be just oh. a gibbering mass by the end. Oh, what the hell? Like I am no. Don't do that anymore. But I anyway, remember I watched that one later in like a compilation of Super Bowl commercials. I'm like, I'm really glad no one's here right now because <laughs> if I because if I had to explain that I was crying because of a beer commercial, I'd never live it down. It's true. Um, so we will do a Legend of Korra episode down the line, but I think That's we're gonna we're gonna get back to comics in the next episode. We're not quite sure what the episode's gonna be, but it'll probably be about sidekicks or uh, something. something. Somebody sent me a tweet today, and I was like, I love that idea. Let me see if I can pull it up really Look, quick. When we throw our darts at the board for ideas, we'll see which one comes up. Yeah. Oh, somebody wanted to talk about the somebody wanted us to to attack the Wizard Magazine casting calls. Ah. <laughs> Those That'd are awesome. Fun. And right. maybe do like one of our own. And I think that's a great idea. You guys that would be fun. That. 
I would also like to do another versus thing like we did before, where I, I have a list made up of just a bunch of very similar S characters from DC and Marvel. And I think we should run that down. Just I agree. And be like, hey, you know, Sunfire, Firestorm, who wins that fight? I love that idea. I think that's a great one. Um, we should, you know what? I got, I've got the, the the casting call pick. It's Marvel Phase Five after the reboot. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, what do we got going on on your channels, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, so much content over at Cape Joel. The first episode of the Comic Multiverse podcast was released this week. Nice. That's me and my Blood Sweat Comics co-host, Matt, back again doing a brand new show. We've expanded it now. Now we talk about a little bit of everything. We talk about comic news. We talk about those leaked Luke Cage picks. Uh, we joked about the Fine Brothers, which is hilarious that they reversed their whole thing by the time the I new episode came out. <laughs> love that. Yeah. Yeah. We chatted about that. Uh, if you go over to my channel right now, you will see my review of Spider-Man number one. That's the brand new Miles Morales Spider-Man book. Which it is, is It is exactly as good as I was hoping it was going to be. Yes, it is. Nice. Bendis does not miss a beat nope. in that one. And really Pacelli has never been better. I've never yeah. seen Blackheart be as cool as he is in this book. <laughs> I know, right? What a villain to throw at Miles for the first issue and Blackheart. I love that because it's like... It, it, who's more quintessentially Marvel and not Ultimate than Mephisto's demon? <laughs> like, I, I, I like to think that Ben just, just like spun a big wheel and it's like, okay, we're just going to stop by uh, Mephisto. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, yeah, check out Cape Joel. There's a link for his channel in the description box below this video. Uh, as Thank far you. as Tiff and I go, uh, tomorrow we're going to be launching um, back issues. It's the return of Superman or reign um. of the Superman. Back when Superman died, we did a Death of Superman episode. This one is going to be when Superman comes back. We're going to launch that episode probably in the next hour and a half. So if you stick Ooh. around. Also, uh, if you want to check out other channels, NerdSync and I did a little collaboration video. Oh, and there's, a, you know. there's an episode right now out uh, I talk about back issues of all things. It's really stretch cool. my creative muscles to talk about something else. Um, I, I am also prominently featured on NerdSync. In fact, I will probably have a video going up there this Friday, should the editor get it done in time. I talk about the great lawsuit between Tony Moore and uh, Robert Kirkman oh, over nice. The Walking Dead for that's, Super Suits. That's the show I do over there. That's a rough. That's a rough one. I remember that. Well, I'm not that on got ugly I when I was researching that. Yeah. What's up, Tiff? I said, well, I'm not on NerdSync, but I have an Appa plushie. You Yay. do. I'm kind of <laughs> jealous of that. That is an amazing plush. I know, um, right? And nobody could see it but you, Joel. Yeah, it's true. Um... <laughs> Let's see what else is going on. Uh, we got I heard the back people issues. want Hack and Splash to come back. I would love to see Hack and Splash come back, and maybe next week you might. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But uh, if if we do, by the way, by all means, you know, if you can, whore it out. Tell everybody you can, and let's get this show back on back on, on top. The road. Um, how I feel about that. But yeah, we're gonna see uh, Hack and Splash come back. Back issues. Uh, Return of Superman. Nerd Sync. We have good a crossover. Indie books out there. There's Huck. There's Southern Bastards. There's a lot to talk about. That's funny. I have I have the first issue of Huck. I haven't read it yet. I know we're beyond the first issue at this page. Uh, at this point, the only reason I picked it up was because the cover was a parody of Field of Dreams. <laughs> I know, right? Isn't that Field a great of Dreams. Cover? Take. <laughs> Got it. 
So yeah, we'll see you guys next week with an all new episode of Elseworlds Exchange, barring our schedules being you know, incompatible at any yeah. point. And we'll uh, we're busy people. We're busy folk. We got a lot of stuff going on, as you can tell. And uh, we'll see you guys next time, hopefully, with another episode of Elseworlds Exchange. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It was great to be it was having nice. you. Yeah, <laughs> this was nice. It was a great idea to, to bring you in. I'm glad we had to get another fan voice in here that's not just us. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a great topic to bring me in on because I love this show. That's the thing. We were actually. Joel and I were, were yeah. planning behind the scenes. I'm like, if Tiffany can't be on, what are we gonna? What episode are we gonna do? Because we got to do something else. And you almost got the Venture Brothers episode, but instead, you, all, you, all, you were this close to Venture Brothers because that came back. This it's week. true. Where I could talk about how I didn't watch the last two seasons of the show, <laughs> <laughs> but I'd be able to tell you my Venture Brothers story, which I'll save for another day. Um, you did, I think you did tell your Venture Brothers story on here, meeting Jackson Public and Doc Hammer. Yep, we got. But I can show my picture. Oh, in my picture. Yeah, it's Tiffany. I'm not in it, <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty sweet. Um, it is. That, I look like such a dork. I think that was after season two had was already was was in progress. <laughs> yep. <Thank> yep. You. <laughs>